Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, Proof HQ. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Content Pros. We have an exciting episode today. We are joined by Ratika Puri. Thanks, Chris. Ratika, great to have you here on Content Pros. Um, I'm really excited to have someone, you know, of your background. You know, the best way I would describe you is, you know, a teacher first and foremost, uh, you know, and, and that that's really a way that you help content marketers uh, better tell stories. So maybe to, to kick this off, maybe you can help us out and do the following, which is, you know, you told me a great story when we met recently about how you got started into this space and your first opportunity, and maybe maybe that'll help us understand what you do and, and how you got to what you're doing. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, so funny enough, I got started on Craigslist as a freelance writer. I was looking for a side gig to supplement some of the work that I was doing in digital marketing and realized that there was this huge demand for the industry to deconstruct very complex topics into things that were easy and fun. Um, so I'm like, hey, you know, eight bucks a blog post, let's run. Um, and from there, the business just kind of evolved. I started working with companies like Forbes and early players in the content marketing industry and realized that, heck, this was a thing and it was something that was an early market opportunity. So I invested myself wholly into what would become my side business, which I eventually named Story Hackers and took full time into a mini agency in late 2013. Now we have a co-founder, we work with a network of partners and we've worked with companies like Dun & Bradstreet, uh, Forbes uh, worked with them for a while, um, and others to build out their content strategies and programs. Uh, we work with everyone from the Fortune 500 to growth stage startups, and it's really been an, a, an incredible journey and kind of unbelievable that it started on Craigslist. That's amazing. I think that's our title there. I was sitting here like from Craigslist post to Forbes, you know, there, there's something there, which I haven't heard that before. So that's awesome. I know yeah. one of the things for any writer is figuring out how they actually measure success for their content. So with your business, how are you measuring things? Is it a pure funnel based measurement or do you have certain metrics that you key on, in on? Yeah. So we focus very, very heavily on retention. And that's actually where our business's sweet spot is in that in addition to helping companies stand out through really valuable education content, we help them position that content as part of their overall marketing funnel to keep uh, customers re-engaged with their uh, their companies and for us personally we um, so we actually intend to uh, stay relatively small we don't want to kind of um, turn on the fire hose with customers so to speak um, in our model we like to keep 
uh, some very individualized attention with folks. So we uh, we don't want to grow too fast, but what we do measure to gauge our success is how often people are coming back to us um, and uh, how long they stick with us. That's that's uh, it's really important. It's it's great that you're focusing on that. You know, Chris Chris started to talk about the idea of a funnel. Maybe you can you know help us understand where within the funnel um, you know story hackers gets involved because you know we often hear a lot about you know the importance of generating leads and using content to generate leads, but I think you have a belief that you know content can be used at various stages. Yeah, and actually we focus on all stages of the funnel, in addition to top of funnel things like blog posts lead generation when you have magnets like a white paper or uh, an, an infographic, an educational infographic, and even at the sales enablement stage. We think it's possible and we do create content that touches on all stages of the funnel simultaneously, um, particularly on the uh, acquisition and retention stages. So rather than kind of even thinking about content as mapping to a particular stage of the funnel, one-to-one. -one. Uh, we believe that content can simultaneously hit multiple parts of that funnel. So you can have a blog post that not only brings a new visitor to your website, but that same blog post is something that your account management team can use to re-engage a potentially sleepy customer. I think that's awesome. One thing I was curious about too is how does that differ at each stage? So are you producing different types of content to progress them through the funnel? Yeah, so it's it's always very context specific and it's always tailored to the context in which the company is using that content. So as a tangible example, like when you're introducing your, when your company is introducing itself to somebody new, it's like, you know, you're walking up to somebody at a coffee shop or a bar, you're saying hello, you're starting a conversation. You're not going to get into an in-depth discussion about your products. You're going to be having a very lighthearted conversation about something interesting that you've encountered, maybe um, in the B2B world, like some interesting tools that you've been using or a trend that you've seen. But that same conversation can be used to touch base with a friend on Facebook or touch base with someone who you haven't talked to in a while. So we definitely, we take context into account and, and uh, tailor content to that context. For instance, if we have a newly onboarded customer and they may, they very well want something product centered and very clear, okay, like this is a new SaaS product I'm using. How do I make the most of it? How do I get started? Um, you know, that's not necessarily something you're going to have in an initial discussion. But when you do have that lighthearted stuff and that educational stuff, it can be used in multiple contexts like awareness building, but also re-engagement. It's, that's really interesting. You know, it's you know, at my company Uberflip, we've started to realize that sometimes there's a problem with that term content marketing, right? You know, we all assume content's only a marketing function because of that buzzword. You know, reality is, as you're putting it, content needs to be used not just by the marketing team to generate leads, but also by perhaps the success team. Um, how do you, in your role, really get that 
adoption throughout an organization. I mean, you're working with some really big companies, companies like LinkedIn, um, you know, growing companies like FreshBooks. How do you get you know, adoption of that content mindset throughout the organization? Yeah, so it goes back to a concept in Lean Startup if you follow that movement at all. Um, the movement really emphasizes the idea of collecting feedback from multiple stakeholders early and often. And that process is one that I incorporate into the Story Hackers uh, content creation process in the sense that we begin every engagement with an, an interview of not only multiple touch points within an organization, like I'll talk to the head of account management and even folks who are on the ground um, in customer success um, who are fielding questions from customers every day, folks who are vetting leads and qualifying leads and having those really um, kind of those strong touch points with customers, but I'll also often interview customers and prospects themselves to get a very strong idea of the questions that they're asking, things that they're interested in reading about, and really using that feedback early to come up with content ideas um, for not only one, to create the right topics to engage them, but two, to uncover the right points of distribution. As you know, distribution is such a pain point in content marketing because everybody is creating content and it's getting progressively harder for companies to stand out. So if you're investing in a really awesome, even like a, like a blog post where the investment is much more minimal compared to like, a, like an interactive dashboard or something thing. You know, you want to get the most value out of that investment and make sure that it's seen. So on the account management, sales, and customer success side, I'll actually work with those teams to figure out, you know, what is the right context for the content that my team is creating and how can they themselves be a touch point in that distribution process. So it's kind of like you, you can think of content uh, very as very similar to product development. As a marketer, you're creating a mini product. It's a mini education product, and you want to make sure that it's not only reaching the needs of your market as as an educator, but that the folks who can use it can get the most value out of it. So, thinking about it less as a marketing tool and more of a standalone product. I think that's amazing. I haven't heard that before. Think of it as a product, which is awesome. And as you were talking about feedback and much of the lean startup methodology, it's a great opportunity to introduce one of the folks who helps make this show happen. And that's one of our sponsors, Proof HQ. And they know that feedback is difficult for content. People weigh in with things like make the logo bigger. Is this the best photo we have? Does this pop off the page? Well, you can kill all that drama by using Proof HQ. It's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. You can work together seamlessly on blog posts, ebooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. Check it out at bit.ly slash ProofHQ. So let's talk a bit about collaboration. You talked about working with tons of different teams with various customers and 
I think many of us have probably experienced the need to work with other groups or the desire to work with other groups. And there seems to be this inertia for marketers, in particular content marketers, to actually work effectively with other people, to get them bought in, to have them involved in the content strategy or the content production process. What advice do you have for folks to broaden their reach and work within other teams, whether it's at a big company or a small company? Yeah, so uh, funny enough that you use the term broaden your reach, uh, because I think that you can actually broaden your reach by creating constraints for the different stakeholders involved. And let me let me explain what I mean and get into some examples as well. So I'm sure that every content marketer has gone into the situation where they're creating a piece of content, maybe it's a blog post or a white paper, and then they send it around to multiple teams and say, hey, shoot over some feedback and all of a sudden you get into this massive idea dump of people wanting to change direction or people wanting to add stuff and folks really getting kind of pulled in multiple directions. So it's one of the earliest lessons that I learned is to be very, um, very, very focused in the type of feedback that you're collecting and make that type of feedback uh, clear from the get-go. So not just um, without any structure, just sending around a piece of content, but making sure that different teams know why they're being looped in and how they can best deliver upon their strengths and their best feedback as well. That's that's really interesting, Ritika. You know, we, we've touched on a few different, you know, areas of, of managing content so far. We've talked right out of the gate about measuring content. You know, you're hitting on a lot of the importance of, of that creation and ideation. But, you know, one of the things that, that I think a lot of marketers don't put a lot of effort into these days is how we can actually take all these content assets and start to distribute them. So how, yeah. how would you get involved in that process, you know, in terms of, you know, the teaching that you're doing or the advice that you're giving or even some of the execution? Yeah, so a question that people ask me a lot is, does story hackers do distribution? And I've, I've you know, I've been thinking about this question a lot and, you know, to say, yes, we do some distribution, but not all distribution, kind of thinking through this question a bit. What I've realized in content marketing, there are really two levels of distribution. There's distribution on a macro level, so integration within organizations, overall sales, marketing, and customer success programs, but there's also a micro distribution, and those are points of optimization for a uh, particular piece of content. So examples are click-to-tweets, you know, something that's very, very minimal on a surface level can amplify sharing results and engagement and the sense of community that a piece of content brings about. It's about keeping those SEO considerations in mind. Um, it's about making sure that you're citing the right sources and creating things that will incentivize people to not only to not only read the content but to share and it's really looking at those micro interactions um, uh, think with Google recently released a study around this idea of micro moments in e-commerce and it's very much the same in content marketing where people are consuming information and really choosy about the information that they're consuming so looking at both the macro and micro level, it's important to be thoughtful about 
both in the content planning process. So uh, content marketers, they're never at a loss for ideas. There's every time you create a piece of content, there's inspiration for more content. But really, when you're prioritizing your very finite time, it's important to consider these micro and macro distribution opportunities up front in your planning process to make sure that when you're you're writing content you're positioning it in a way that it can continue to create that value it's a it's a great point you know I, one of the small things that you were touching on that we actually do at, at our team um, is we we use a tool called slack which allows our, our team to talk to each other and you know and collaborate and, and we've started to do exactly what you said by putting click to tweet links for the latest piece of content to really help amplify that so I think I think you're definitely on to something in terms of you know thinking about you know multiple ways and you know really internal ways sometimes of, of helping to broadcast yeah yeah and I, c I can give you a few examples as well um, so I actually consult for the lean startup conference as uh, the, my, my title there is their resident storyteller and one of the things that we do is we actually have uh, about five people involved with every single piece of content so at the planning stages we we have ongoing customer development where we're surfacing themes and topics that are relevant to our audience base and as we go through the process of answering those questions um, I write the content and then we source feedback from our editorial director who's actually building the conference program to supplement what she's seeing through her speaker evaluation and vetting process. From there, we have a team member devoted to uh, optimizing each piece of content with a call to action um, in addition to bringing in ideas of ways to make that content more engaging um, with the community. So every single person um, brings additive value to that process. Um, and it's a way of really making the most out of every small touch point. Um, we contextualize everything into A-B tests that we're running and periodically look at uh, success in terms of the engagement that we're generating. We have every type of content categorized into a different type, so we're also looking at it from um, that aggregate level view to see what types of content uh, our audience is most responsive to. Um, another example, uh, I was running the blog for Clarity.fm um, about almost two years ago. Uh, if For those of uh, you who don't know Clarity, they're a matchmaking network between advice seekers and subject matter experts who tend to be experienced entrepreneurs. And one of our most successful posts um, was based around a question that our community was asking very simply, what, you know, what are the toughest lessons learned that entrepreneurs have? So I created a, a roundup with members of our community with very bite-sized snackable quotes um, and click to tweets for each of those quotes and that ended up being one of our most uh, successful posts because it not only hit on a very, very tough question that entrepreneurs ask, but it also gave 
folks that trigger, folks being readers that trigger. So when they're reading this piece and they see a really inspiring piece of advice, they don't have to go through the motions of like, of copying and pasting something into Twitter or even looking on a social media button, but they can say, oh, cool, like, I love that, you know, the, the best breakthroughs are the unexpected ones. That's a great quote. I'm just going to click to tweet that. And we got some amazing, amazing sharing and engagement going there. Those are some awesome examples. And one thing that we've been working on similar to that, we're actually introducing visual calls to action in our blog. So I know a lot of the click to tweet things do have a visual element, but for us, you know, I'm in a big enterprise at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and many of our goals are driven by marketing qualified leads. So we're trying to funnel people to excellent content that is very relevant to the story. But the lean methodology has come up a couple times already, and I frequent a co-working location in Raleigh, North Carolina called HQ Raleigh, and there's actually a shop there that is like a lean, agile shop, vaporware, and that's their whole methodology. Get things out quickly, get the MVP out. They have the books everywhere that you're very familiar with, with what you're doing with the lean folks. But how can we apply that to content marketing? Because I think one thing that I see a lot, we tend to let perfect get in the way of good and we don't ship content. Like you sit there and you keep perfecting it and adding more design. So what concepts could we apply to be more effective as content marketers? Yeah. So one of the core philosophies of Lean Startup is that with every new initiative, um, there's a always a risk of uncertainty and when you're bringing a new product to market there's always a risk that that product would fail and in the case of content you know this is this is a micro product just like any larger um, software or hardware initiative and one of the the ways that um, what, what lean teaches is how to bring initiatives to market faster one two, establishing learning milestones, and three, minimizing risks by creating, by collecting feedback early and at multiple touch points. So um, speaking to the topic of bringing things to market faster, um, one of the bottlenecks that I I often encounter with content marketing is that brands want to push out perfection always and there are multiple stakeholders involved which sometimes is necessary like if you're part of a financial services company obviously the content needs to go through multiple rounds of review from legal and multiple stakeholders to make sure that there's no risk of liability but even still speaking to another point of lean startup which is collecting feedback and early and often the more that information that you can collect up front and the more systems that you can create to expedite that review process, including being very focused in the type of feedback that you're asking for, the faster that you can push out that piece of content. Another thing is a piece of content. Um, you know, pe- some pieces of content have very short lifespans. Other pieces of content have very long evergreen lifespans. But when you're putting out a piece of content and you'll, you'll inevitably start getting feedback and you'll start realizing that, hey, maybe, you know, something I said was wrong or maybe this is something to build upon. Um, but even thinking about that launch process as a two-way dialogue um, should un- alleviate some of that fear of risk. Um, when you're 
producing content, it's a very human thing. And human beings, they they make mistakes. And obviously, you know, you don't want to push out a piece of content that's, you know, that is low in quality or is offensive or any anything like that. But if if you make a mistake or if you say something wrong or you realize that you can say something better, that's something that you can touch upon by revising a post, adding an addendum, adding a comment, and you can build into your content moving forward. So being, I guess, being less understanding and going back, or being more understanding and going back to the heart of content marketing, which it really is about building human relationships and human beings on the other side of the screen, like they're appreciative of that authenticity and they're appreciative of the opportunity to voice their feedback, positive and negative, and just being a little bit more open to that two-way dialogue as you inform your content slash product development development process moving forward. I love that, Ritika. I, I mean, I, I love all the, the lean startup uh, materials out there, and I've never really taken the time to relate it to, to content marketing, and I, I love the way you're, you're tying it not just to a, to a startup, but ultimately you know, an enterprise can, can really take this approach too. So it sounds like both uh, Chris and my companies can, can, can benefit from that. Um, you know, as we're talking a lot here about uh, this idea of, of better best planning and figuring out what's going to work. It's a, it's a great time to also talk about another one of our sponsors, and that's Inbound Writer. Um, for those of us who have tried to take on blog posts and you know really trying to figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work, how do we create content in advance and know with better predictability the outcome? That's where you got to turn to Inbound Writer. This is a content analysis tool that forecasts how your content will perform based on real-time analysis of your site, your competition, search engine behaviors, and more. Inbound Writer tells you which topics will work, which ones won't, and it removes a lot of the guesswork that we're talking about today in terms of creating content. If you want to give a free month trial with them, if you go to inboundwriter.com slash offer, um, you'll be able to give it a try and take it for a whirl. You know, Ritika, I think uh, we've got time for a few more questions here. One of them that, that I'd love to talk about, we're, we're talking a lot about you know, blog posts often, um, you know, and especially when we think about getting help to create content from someone you know, like a story hackers or an agency or whoever we're working with. You know, we often think about you know, blog content because it's you know, probably, as you said, one of the easiest, lowest cost uh, versions of content to create, but what's another format of content that you've been really excited about and where you see uh, things going down the line? Yeah, so actually, um, for believe it or not, email and um, onboarding content, uh, in addition to onboarding content, even cold emails or post lead follow-up content. And I've been, I've been so fascinated by this aspect of content marketing meets sales meets uh, demand generation in the sense that it's, I think it's one of the toughest areas of marketing to really conquer for the same reason that content marketing and blogging is a challenge in that people are so spread thin from an attention span perspective that, you know, every, especially in the B2B space, like everybody's going through email overload and 
what uh, what I love about this this channel and thinking about it from a content marketing standpoint is that you're as as somebody sending these emails, whether you're on sales or marketing or editorial, um, you're really trying to optimize micro moments with people and capture people's attention and a fraction of seconds um, and when I create this type of content and work with others to create this type of content it's really uh, a, I guess a, a quote-unquote game of figuring out what is going to give people the most value in the shortest number of words and time um, so really optimize finding that uh, that optimal point of value versus time investment invested to really pique their interest um, and once again that really comes back to content um, connecting uh, your audience with material that's not only interesting but relevant to their business goals creating content authentically. I was recently working on uh, an email onboarding campaign for a machine learning platform and what I quickly realized was the language of marketers, it's so different from the language of data scientists, this products and user that you can't you can't use your traditional marketing speak so um, to create authenticity I actually I worked with the data scientists themselves to create uh, demos and articles and um, and talking points so it you know it really came from a human perspective and not with that marketing speaker um, even that that layer of a sales agenda to make those those touch points more authentic and conversational and relatable Loretika, once again, our time has completely flown by, and we like to ask one question at the end of every podcast episode, and that one question is, what did you want to be when you grew up? And I'm guessing it's agile, biased content marketer, but you tell me if I'm wrong. You're, you're going to think this is crazy. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I had my first poem published in an anthology, and from that moment forward, I wanted to be a writer. And I did everything in my power to escape that trajectory. I was a martial arts instructor. I worked in the legal industry. I did a master's program and a statistics program. My first job out of college was for a consulting firm. But ultimately, I kept coming back to writing because it's a way to teach, to connect with others, to build relationships. So I... I guess I f I'm one of those rare cases where I fulfilled my childhood dream by accident. That's great, Ratika. And, and I, I think it's right in line with how I started to intro you. Is I always think of you as, as a teacher first and foremost. So um, looks like you've accomplished those goals. And uh, I, you know, Chris and I uh, really thank you for taking the time to make this a great episode on Content Pros. Um, I can urge everyone to check out uh, Ratika's website at storyhackers.com and uh, really continue to tune in to Content Pros. Uh, you can find Content Pros uh, in a number of different places, be it iTunes, Stitcher, um, and also going to contentprospodcast.com. Uh, on behalf of Chris Moody at Oracle Marketing Cloud, myself at Uberflip, Ritika, thanks for joining us and look forward to joining everyone again on the next episode. Thank you. Can't wait to hear the next one. 
Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, Proof HQ, and Inbound Writer, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...